0: Fourteen-month-old vanished while being babysat by Greg Domasavage, the boyfriend of Jaden's mother Belinda Williams. After one of the state's largest searches, his body was found floating at nearby Blue Rock Dam six months later. Domasavage was charged with murder but acquitted. A coroner later finding he contributed to the boy's death. Hi guys, this is Harry here with my sister Bill and welcome to episode four of the True Crime Sisters podcast. Just a quick warning before we begin that this episode covers sensitive topics, including the death of a young child. If this content disturbs you, this may not be the episode for you. Also, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. All our social media links can be found in the description. Today we are looking at the
1: case of toddler Jaden Lesky, a beautiful little boy whose life was taken far too soon. This is a complicated case, and although at this stage, Jaden's killer remains free, hopefully it's only a matter of time until this changes.
0: To really get an image of the short life little Jaden lived, we need to start with his mother, Belinda. Belinda, Robin Murphy, was born on the 22nd of September, 1975, in Bairnsdale, which is almost four hours from Melbourne. Belinda was born to a teenage mother and a police officer father. She was one of three children, with her older sister being Katie and her younger brother, Glenn.
1: Her father was a violent drunk and was extremely unpleasant to live with. There was a pattern throughout Belinda's childhood of her mother kicking her father out and then taking him back in again, which for a child is extremely confusing. Eventually her mother, Pam, decided to leave her husband for good and the family moved to Lake's
0: entrance. Uh, I just want to add something that might help us to understand Belinda a bit better about who she becomes as an adult um, based on her um, childhood abuse she suffered and saw between her parents. So living in a violent and unpredictable environment can lead to significant trauma, both emotionally and psychologically. As children of abuse grow up, they're often more prone to becoming the perpetrators of abuse on their own families. So we tend to see um, an intergenerational transmission of abuse and they're also more likely to be victimised as adults too. Although it's not an excuse, it's kind of worth noting these things um, just so that we can understand Belinda more as a parent later.
1: Belinda doesn't... I, From what I researched, she's not abusive.
0: No, she's not abusive, but the fact that she allows someone abusive around her, mm. she, I think because she was exposed yeah. to abuse, it's kind of normalised yeah. for her in a way. Okay. So the Is fact she, that yeah. her child was abused and she knew about it, it wasn't something that was a big surprise because she had been abused growing up
1: and she definitely didn't accept it when her child like was, I wouldn't have said she stood back and accepted it. She didn't
0: stand back and accepted it, but she may not have um, acted in the same way as someone who'd never been exposed to abuse. If that makes sense. I get what you're saying with that. Yeah.
1: I just didn't raise in my research. I definitely didn't find her to be an abusive. No. And she wasn't. Yeah.
0: Belinda had a love-hate relationship with her sister Katie, as many sisters do. There was a strong rivalry between the two, and Belinda was seen to be the younger and more attractive sister, which obviously Katie was not happy about. At age 16, Katie ran away from home and ended up at a party in Maui. It was there that she met a man named Brett Leskey. The two got drunk together and ended up in bed.
1: Back home in Lake's entrance, Belinda and Katie's mother, Pam, had a stroke. Belinda became her main caretaker at 16 years old and had to take on adult responsibilities. While Belinda was taking care of her mother at home, Katie was out partying. She ran into Brett Lesky again and they hooked up. She introduced him to her family, but this didn't last. She was irritated to see it looked like Belinda and Brett were flirting, so they parted ways again.
0: Sometime later, Belinda's sister Katie was out partying, heavily pregnant this time, when she ran into Brett Lesky. He noticed that she was pregnant and assumed that it was his. It wasn't, but Katie wasn't about to correct him. Doing the right thing, Brett proposed to Katie and she accepted. Belinda could see that Katie had tricked Brett into the proposal. When she said so, Katie assumed it was because Belinda wanted Brett for herself.
1: The wedding was humble and simple with rings being brought from the local pawn shop. The marriage was short-lived and came crumbling down when Katie began to strongly suspect there was an affair going on between her husband Brett and her sister Belinda. A year after this affair began, Brett and Belinda's first child was born, a girl named Brianna. Although still technically married to Katie, Brett and Belinda were making a go of it. Brett was both a father and uncle to both sisters' children.
0: On the 30th of April, 1996, a beautiful baby boy was born to Brett and Belinda Leski. They welcomed their son, Jaden Raymond Lesky, at Maui Hospital. A chubby little baby who never said no to a feed, Jaden was known to be most happy in the presence of his mum, Belinda, and was a real mummy's boy.
1: Brianna loved her new little brother, Jaden, and the two were reportedly very close. Belinda recalls waking up late one day to find the two of them helping themselves to a packet of Dorito chips. The little family, Brett, Belinda, Brianna and Jaden, lived together in a small house in Moi.
0: Things went really well for a while, until just before Jaden's first birthday. Belinda and Brett's relationship began to deteriorate when Belinda suspected that the reason Brett wouldn't marry her was because he was still in love with her sister Katie. Katie and Brett had still not officially divorced, so Belinda and Brett separated.
1: Katie gave Belinda some advice. You should let Brett go interstate to Western Australia where he's always wanted to go. If he loves you, he'll come back. It is unknown whether this advice from Katie was genuine or spiteful, but when Belinda sent Brett to Western Australia, he didn't come back. She was a single mum in Moi.
0: Mowie is an industrial town about 140 kilometres from the Melbourne CBD. While it is considered a part of the Latrobe Valley, it is quite different from the picturesque farms that make up the majority of the region. The unemployment rates in Moi are high, and while it used to be an affluent suburb, privatisation of power suppliers brought redundancy and recession to the area.
1: With the recession, housing values plummeting, and with cheap housing, some undesirable characters began moving to Moi. There were a huge socio-economic consequences to the recession in Mowie, with drug usage and unemployment soaring, along with divorce rates. The government developed a policy moving single mothers out to the town. With the low cost of living, their welfare payments were stretched further, with some actually being able to afford mortgages. The town developed a feeling of persecution and helplessness. After Brett left Belinda for Western Australia, it wasn't long before she began dating again. She started seeing a man named Greg Domasavich who Brett had worked for before moving interstate. Greg took an interest in her son Jaden, which was important to Belinda in a partner, although Greg didn't seem particularly interested in her daughter Brianna.
0: Greg frequently offered to take care of Jaden for Belinda so she could have a break, and she happily accepted. Jaden was known as a bit of a crier, and the break was much appreciated. Greg enjoyed spending time with the young boy, teaching him about cars and playing Nintendo. Greg Domasevich was a Maui native,
1: born there on the 26th of September 1968 to his Russian parents. As he grew up, he never stayed far from his home suburb and his life revolved around Maui. His upbringing wasn't an easy one, with his dad dying of a heart attack when Greg was only 14 years old. His death came at the worst time, with Greg's academic success plummeting as he grieved.
0: As Greg grew into a young man, he hung out with the wrong crowd. He often rebelled against authority and liked to be seen as a bit of a tough guy in a small town. He was a heavy marijuana smoker and a small time user and dealer of everything else. People described him as cunning, manipulative, eccentric and prone to violence.
1: While Greg enjoyed his time with Jaden, he struggled to deal with the usual tasks that caring for a small child brings. Nappy changes would rarely get done. Safety was an afterthought and Jaden's crying was hard to handle. There were reports of Greg pushing Jaden over out of anger, turning the music up to drown out the toddler's screams and taunting his three bull terrier dogs by holding the young boy over them. I don't think turning the music up while well, you've got a child, I think putting a child down one end of the house where you just have some peace and quiet down the other end with a bit of music with your headphones in, I don't necessarily see that as a S- extremely bad parenting move. Do you
0: know what I mean? I know what you mean. I think maybe if you needed a second to have a breather yeah. and it's only for a minute, maybe not. But I think also it's not just that, it's the combination of all of the treatment yeah. of Jaden that he did.
1: Obviously, holding him over the dogs is horrible.
0: Yeah. And his, I think that it wasn't him just taking a minute to have a time out. Yeah. His intention was to leave the baby so he could do what he wanted to do okay. and just turn up the music so he didn't have to deal with the screaming. While Greg described himself as an animal lover and was the proud owner of three bull terriers... That love seemed to only extend towards dogs. He was known to catch stray cats, place them in hessian sacks and light the sacks on fire, torturing them, which personally as a cat person I find very devastating to hear. that is sad. And I don't think there's any excuses that can be made for that behaviour. As we have discussed in previous episodes, this lack of empathy towards living creatures is concerning and a red flag for future deviant and psychopathic behaviour.
1: There was one event in the lead-up to Jaden's disappearance that stood out to Belinda. One day, Greg was babysitting Jaden when he lost it. He brought the toddler home early with a huge bruise on his face and a cut under his chin, a black eye and a graze down the side of his face. Greg apologised to Belinda and offered to turn himself in to the police and child welfare, but threatened that it may lead to Jaden being taken off her. Fearing losing her son and needing that support from Greg, she kept quiet and hid little Jaden away in their home until his injuries had healed
0: a little. So that's a bit of background about the main people in the case, and it sort of gives us a vibe of the town. So next we're going to go through the timeline of the day of the 14th of June 1997 in order. Some things may seem a little bit unimportant initially, but become more important to the case down the track.
1: The 14th of June 1997 began like any other Saturday. Belinda was looking forward to a party that she had been invited to that night. Katie and Belinda were planning to get a babysitter to look after the kids so they could enjoy their night stress-free. Their regular babysitter was a local intellectually disabled girl who had once called an ambulance when Jaden got shampoo in his eyes.
0: Later that day, Greg drove to Belinda's house and asked whether he could have Jaden for a while. Belinda told Greg about the party she would be attending and let Greg know that she would be out most of the night. However, they did not make formal plans for Jaden's return. Belinda assumed he would be dropped back with the babysitter and other children later that day.
1: Belinda packed Jaden some spare clothes, four extra nappies, and some snacks. When Greg and Jaden got back to Greg's place, they watched some TV, played Nintendo and threw the ball for the dogs. Later that day, a neighbour reported hearing Greg yelling but couldn't work out who he was yelling at. He said it was unlike any sound he had heard from Greg's before.
0: Between 5.30 and 7.45pm, Belinda tried to call Greg at home up to 30 times, but nobody picked up. She was beginning to worry. She called one of Greg's friends, Glenn. Glenn reminded her that this was what Greg was like. He assured her that everything was probably fine and that she should still go out to the party. Although she was still concerned, she decided to go out and enjoy her night.
1: At 8.11pm that night, Greg answered his phone to his neighbour, Marianne. She was inviting him over to smoke some bongs. He told her he couldn't because he had Jaden. He called her back at 10pm to see if she had any nappies or knew where he could get some. This was strange because Belinda had packed plenty of nappies. She directed him to a nearby 24-hour BP station.
0: At the party, Belinda and Katie were very drunk. At around 10.30pm, the party was winding down and the remaining partygoers decided to catch a cab to a nearby pub to continue drinking.
1: At 11pm, Greg's car was pulled over by a policeman who asked to see his licence. He told the police he was on his way home. They checked his car quickly, but didn't look in the boot. Greg wasn't acting like himself. The usually cocky man was quiet and subdued, which was suspicious, however the cops couldn't take Greg in for that.
0: At 11.10pm, Belinda calls Greg from the pub to check on Jaden. Greg says shit's happened and explains that Jaden has fallen against the heater and burnt his bottom. Greg informed Belinda that he had taken Jaden to the Mowie Hospital, but thought that they did a bad job, so took him to the newer Maryvale Hospital instead, which Belinda didn't even realise at the time hadn't been finished being built. Of course, Belinda wanted to come home immediately to be with her boy, but Greg convinced her to stay out, saying that he'd pick her up later.
1: A neighbour of Belinda's reports looking out the window around 12.30am and seeing Greg's car parked outside Belinda's house. At 1 o'clock a.m., Greg's neighbour, Marianne, says she hears Greg's car start up and reverse out the driveway and head towards Mowi. She was sure it was Greg's car because of the distinctive sound of the car that she was so used to hearing.
0: At approximately 2 a.m., the group at the pub were kicked out after Katie got into a fight. Belinda called Greg and he agreed to pick her up, leaving home at around 2.15 a.m. On the way out to the car, he put a plastic bag in his wheelie bin. The drive to the pub took 25 minutes. Once there, Greg helped a drunk Belinda into the car. Once Belinda was in the car, she asked Greg where Jaden was and he replied, I told you, he's in the hospital. Greg told her she could see him in the morning. She continued to plead for her baby and he continued to make excuses. Once they arrived back at Greg's house, they found that the front windows of his house were smashed. There was also a severed pig's head lying in the garden bed.
1: There was glass covering the floor of the veranda. The couple went inside. Belinda was sure that Greg's ex-girlfriend, Yvonne, was behind the vandalism. Belinda and Yvonne hated each other and often played nasty pranks on each other, including vandalising each other's property. When they saw each other on the streets of Moe, they could be heard yelling obscenities at each other.
0: Once inside the house, Belinda curled up in front of the warm heater and fell asleep. Greg made a phone call to his ex-girlfriend, Yvonne, at 3.09am and asked her, ''Is this one of your sick games?'' before hanging up the phone. Belinda napped happily. She wasn't at all suspicious that Jaden wasn't at the house. After all, Greg had said he was at the hospital and she had no reason not to believe him.
1: Not long after they arrived, Greg decided to drop Belinda home at her own house. Not long after he dropped her, she was calling him, begging him to come back, and he did. When he walked in the door, he was visibly distressed. He said to her, We have to go to the police station. Jaden's missing. He confessed Jaden was never in the hospital.
0: Although the first priority of the police was to find Jaden, they had to first figure out who had vandalised and thrown a pig's head at Greg's house. They needed to determine whether the two incidents were related. Belinda and Greg were adamant it was Yvonne, with Belinda also fearing she may have had something to do with Jaden's disappearance. Yvonne was brought into the station for questioning and after some prodding, it was revealed that she, her brother Kenny and their gang had vandalised Greg's property.
1: Earlier, Kenny had been shocked to see the police presence at Greg's place. He couldn't believe there was so much fuss over a broken window and a pig's head, but that wasn't why the police were there. Sometimes the truth is stranger than fiction, and of all the nights Savon and Kenny could have chosen to vandalise Greg's place, they chose the same night that Jaden went missing. Once that was out of the way, they were able to focus fully on Jaden. Forensic teams were brought into both Belinda and Greg's houses, They found no sign that any third parties were involved. Local hospitals were contacted to see if Jaden had been brought in at any point of the night. He hadn't. Although the first priority was to find little Jaden alive, the police didn't have a good feeling.
0: With the vandals identified, it was time to interview Belinda. She was hungover, exhausted and emotional. The police asked her where Jaden was, to which she replied, no idea. When asked who she thought was responsible, she stated, well, it can only be Greg. She was not being particularly cooperative and her mood swings were making the interview difficult. However, police did not get the sense that she was involved in Jane's disappearance.
1: While they were interviewing Belinda, Greg was in a room nearby, waiting to be spoken to by the police. The officers had shut the door and turned on an exhaust fan in the room where Greg sat so that he couldn't overhear any of the conversations going on. However, every time the officers walked by to check on him, he had turned off the exhaust opened the door and was leaning forward as if eavesdropping. This happened a number of times, despite Domasavage being told repeatedly not to.
0: Greg was also interviewed that day. His story was inconsistent and continued to change. The police established 75 minutes unaccounted for in Domasavich's day. When asked about this, he continued to give long, rambling and unhelpful answers. Not much was established from either he or Belinda at that time. Following the interviews, police put a surveillance on Greg. They were hoping that if he were guilty, he would need to either check on Jaden if he was still alive or dispose of further evidence if he wasn't.
1: When Belinda got home from her interview, she noticed that certain things were out of place. This was the first time she'd had a proper look around since before the party on Saturday afternoon. She noticed that someone had moved things around in Jaden's room. The mattress was on the floor and there were items missing.
0: Once Greg was released from his interview, he headed straight to Belinda's house. Within a short amount of time, he was able to convince her that he wasn't involved in Jaden's disappearance. It is thought that believing in Greg's innocence may have alleviated some of the guilt she was holding for leaving Jaden with a man that had been abusive in the past.
1: Forensic experts found some items of interest in Greg's house. In the wheelie bin out the front, they found a plastic bag with five tissues inside. The tissues had Jaden's blood on them. They also found a pair of jeans with Jaden's blood on them inside the house. When pressed on where the blood came from, Greg's story ranged from Jaden having a bleeding ulcer to a cut under his lip.
0: They also found $600 under Greg's mattress. It was soaking wet. They also found Greg's wallet in his car, also soaking wet. Not just a little wet, but so wet that it seemed like it had been submersed in water.
1: The media interest in the case was huge from the start. The police urged Belinda to make a public plea, but she refused. Soon after they found out that she had done a paid interview with an Australian news show instead of making a plea, they were furious. Finally, after police pressure, she made a public appearance in front of the media.
0: The investigation was being linked to water because of Greg's wet items. The police searched both Lake Narakan and Mundara Dam, hoping to find something that would lead to the missing toddler, but with no luck. Meanwhile, Jaden's biological father, Brett Leskey had heard about the disappearance and was desperately trying to get home from Western Australia. Locals helped him raise money to get a plane ticket.
1: At the same time, the police surveillance team followed Belinda and Greg as they left Mowi and went into Melbourne to go shopping together. They were seen groping each other like teenagers and enjoying their time together. When the public heard that Belinda was spending time with the man accused of her son's disappearance, Public support for her
0: started to evaporate. As soon as Brett was back in Mowie, he became the spokesperson for Jaden's case. He accepted every interview request that came his way and begged for his son's safe return time and time again. It was clear that the father was devastated.
1: Greg and Belinda weren't so outspoken about the safe
0: return of the little boy. Greg was staying with a friend,
1: Darren, and at times would act suspiciously. One day when they were watching the news and a story about Jaden came on, Darren caught Greg shaking his head and saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry,
0: I didn't mean to do it. He looked up, startled, when he realised what he'd said. Another time, the two were watching a news story about the police breaking through garbage and digging in the nearby Yelorn tip. Smiling at the TV, Greg said, he's not there, he's not there, bloody idiots, they won't find nothing there. Darren's support for his friend began to fade. On the 19th of June, Greg was brought back into the police station for
1: another formal interview. How well do you know Jaden? Asked the police officer. I have known him for a fair few months. He is just over one, replied Greg. Have you ever had any problems when you were babysitting Jaden? The officer asked. Oh, only like the first couple of times, to be honest. He was a bit of a crier and I sort of thought, well, if the kid's clean and he's not hungry and that, if he wants to sook, I just
0: used to let him. He really struggles to stay on track with the questions. Like he doesn't answer them very directly. Did you notice that? Yeah, he sort of seems to always like that's not really an answer. Like if the child's especially the clean and not First question you said, I've known him for a fair few months. He's just over one. But when the police officer asked nothing how do you about know his age, yeah, yeah, you'd
1: think he'd say, yeah, I'm, I know him quite well. He's a beautiful little boy. Yeah, and it's a bit strange. It's an
0: interesting response is not how I would describe anyone I know. No, me either. Especially if they'd gone missing. Mm. He told the officer he left Jaden home alone that night when he went to pick Belinda up because. I guess because he was asleep and he was all right, you know? He maintained his story that Jaden was asleep on the couch throughout the investigation. Greg told police that the only time he left the house that night was to pick up Belinda and that the neighbours were mistaken if they thought that they'd heard his car. The police asked Greg, is it possible that he has
1: had some form of accident and died and that in a panic state you have thought of some way of covering it up? Greg denies this. When pressed about the bloody tissues in the rubbish, Greg's story continued to change. At first, it happened when one of the dogs licked a scab off Jaden's nose. When the officer did not react favourably to this story, Greg told him that Jaden had had a bloody lip.
0: Belinda went from believing in Greg's guilt to thinking he was innocent so frequently that it was hard for the police to keep up. Despite the police pointing out all the signs of Greg's guilt to Belinda, she supported him. There were the bloody tissues, the long wait before telling the police, the fact that only Greg had access to his house and his behaviour in general that suggested his guilt. Finally, Belinda was forced to surrender custody of Brianna to Brett Lesky because she wouldn't stop seeing Greg. On the 16th of July 1997, Greg was pulled
1: over on his way home after visiting his mum in Melbourne. The police let him know he was under arrest for the disappearance and murder of Jaden Lesky. Once Greg was in custody and couldn't influence Belinda, she slowly became convinced of his guilt again. On New
0: Year's Day, 1998, a family was having a picnic at Blue Rock Dam, about a 20-minute drive from Moe. This was also one of Greg's favourite fishing spots. The teenager of the group grew bored of hanging out with his family and went for a walk along the wall of the dam. Soon after, the teen noticed something floating about a metre from the wall of the dam. He quickly realised that it looked like the body of a baby obviously dead. He ran back to his
1: family and let them know what he had found. At first, the family thought it must have been a joke, but after a moment of convincing, they quickly called the police. When police and forensics arrived, it didn't take long to identify who the tiny body was, little Jaden. The body was put on dry ice to preserve it and flown into Melbourne for autopsy.
0: When Belinda heard the news that the body of a baby had been found at Blue Rock Dam, she fell apart Despite being told not to come down to the dam, she did. She was hoping to have one last hug with her baby, but of course it wasn't to be. That's so sad. So sad. sad. I can't even
1: imagine. Yeah. And of course you would want that one last.
0: I always find that so sad in cases when you can't just have that final moment moment with your loved one. Absolutely. Near
1: the body, an old sleeping bag had been found that had obviously been weighed down with an attached crowbar. The sleeping bag had burst open. It was obvious from the smell that it was where the little body had come from. There was also a plastic bag nearby containing a bottle,
0: an apple, a bib and some little clothes. A little thing. Yeah, that's horrible. When Greg heard the news that Jaden's body had been found, he collapsed and needed to be taken to the prison medical centre. One of Greg's mates, who had lent his crowbar to Greg, was reading the newspaper that day. He saw an image in the newspaper of a crowbar and a sleeping bag. He recognised that crowbar. It was the one that he'd lent to Greg. Postmortem revealed that little Jaden had a broken arm, which someone had tried to bandage up with tape. It was also found that Jaden had suffered blunt force trauma, with evidence being consistent that he had died the day he went missing. It was also found that Jaden's system contained high levels of drug Benzexol, which is a drug to treat Parkinson's disease.
1: 400 people showed up to pay their respects and lay the little boy to rest at the Moe Baptist Church. His small white casket was adorned with teddy bears and flowers. There were many kind words and prayers spoken that day. Jaden, who with his big brown eyes and cheeky grin in his short life touched all who knew him. Eric Clapton's Tears in Heaven was played.
0: Meanwhile, the case against Greg Domisavich was being put together. Greg had pleaded not guilty to murder and would be going before a jury at trial. The defence was planning to use the Pig's Head gang to create reasonable doubt for Greg. They had found a scapegoat.
1: Tubby Hopkinson was housemate with Pig's Head gang member Kenny Penfold, who was also the brother of Greg's ex Yvonne. Tubby had a history of violence that was far more extreme than Greg's minor crimes. Tubby had a history of mental illness and was thought to have undiagnosed schizophrenia. He looked rough and tough compared to Greg's small, frail frame. And he was there when the pig was killed and had its head cut
0: off. Prosecution were planning to make it clear that the pig's head gang were a complete coincidence and were merely a distraction from what the case was about, the murdered toddler, Jaden. The case against Greg was circumstantial. Greg himself was the prosecutor's biggest draw card with his illogical rambling and irrelevant answers to questions, his unusual behaviour on the night and, of course, his frequent abuse and violence against Jaden, On the 12th of October, 1998, the case of the Crown versus Gregory
1: Nicholas Domasavich began. Greg had been in jail for almost 15 months, almost the length of Jaden's short life. The Melbourne Supreme Court was swarming with media. It was a simple case for the prosecution. Greg was the only one with the motive, the means and the
0: opportunity. The defence was led by seasoned barrister, Mr Colin Lovett, who had appeared in more than 130 murder trials. The defence had to be a lot more creative to create reasonable doubt within the jury. Their plan was to bring in a cast of colourful characters with more violent histories than Greg in the hopes that the jury would see a potential for an alternative killer.
1: Belinda was the first witness to be called to the stand. By now, she was sure that her ex-lover was guilty of killing her baby. Belinda told the court her story. It was obvious that she felt a lot of guilt about the circumstances that surrounded the night of Jaden's
0: death. She was forced to admit that she was struggling to be a parent to her little boy. The trial had a feeling that is described as almost voyeuristic. The streets were lined with people wanting to get into the court for a front row seat. One reporter stated, I think people felt a bit guilty that that sort of lifestyle exists in our community and somehow we're a bit responsible for it. The situation where you have endemic unemployment in a community which has led to all sorts of social problems which this case has touched on and this is now accepted as the norm.
1: Katie was the next witness called. She explained how her nephew was a mummy's boy and a big crier if he didn't have food in his mouth. She also talked about Greg's short temper and how he would often tell little Jaden to shut up. She also defended her sister telling the court that Belinda was initially desperate to go straight home when she
0: heard her little boy had been hurt. Next to be caught up was Kenny Penfold, the self-confessed leader of the gang that vandalised Greg's house that night. He was honest about that and the throwing of the pig's head into the window. He was also very clear, I didn't kill no kid. When asked why he committed the vandalism, he explained that Greg had been hassling his sister Yvonne for a long time. He admitted to killing and decapitating the pig and explained that Tubby Hopkinson had been with him during the slaughter but had not been at the vandalism. Finally, the scapegoat himself, Raymond
1: Tubby Hopkinson, took the stand. He told of how he and Kenny had slaughtered the pig and how Kenny had wanted to get back at Greg for hassling Yvonne. After being pressed with personal questions, Tubby had an outburst. Did you still want me to have the outburst? I think
0: so. Okay. You're fucking pissing me off. What happened to me, what i done to myself, is nothing to fucking do with you, you know? Now you're trying to tell me I'm schizophrenic, mate? What are you on? I don't know. I read the papers. I get told I'm a fucking amphetamines abuser, drug user, dealer, standover merchant. Lucky I even turned up here today, mate, you know? And just so we know, because I didn't know what a standover merchant was, but I looked it up. It's a person who uses intimidation to impose their will. Okay. Standover merchant. Standover merchant. Tubby maintained that he'd never spoken to Greg before, let alone been near his house. He was the perfect contrast to Greg, who sat meekly in the docks. Tubby's temper was palpable, and it was just what the defense needed to create reasonable doubt about Greg's guilt.
1: Greg's neighbor, Mary Ann, was also called to testify. Mary Ann was no stranger to the court system. Her ex-husband was currently serving time in jail for murdering a local drug dealer with an axe. She was close to her neighbour Greg before Jaden disappeared. She explained that during her first telephone conversation with Greg that night, she thought she had heard a baby in the background. She also recalled that she heard Greg's car in the driveway at 1am
0: while she was up playing on the computer. As the case wrapped up, the defence lawyer Mr Lovett said to the jury... Who do you think is more likely to have gratuitously injured Jaden Lesky or panicked when they found him accidentally injured? Greg Donasavage or a fellow like Tubby Hopkinson or Kenny Penfold? The prosecutor, Bill Morgan-Paler, wrapped up his case by explaining simply that Greg was an inept babysitter who had lashed out and killed a small child. His actions on that morning are the clearest evidence that there was no missing child, only an unfortunate dead one.
1: The jury of three women and eight men took 74 hours to reach the verdict. Greg Domasavich was not guilty. It was revealed after the trial that Greg had confessed to two fellow inmates while in prison, but their claims were considered to be inadmissible in the trial. For all the judgment Belinda had faced throughout her ordeal, she was not going to let this happen. Jaden was going to get some justice.
0: After receiving a report stating the known facts and saying that Jaden's case was now closed, Belinda campaigned angrily for an inquest into the death of her son, Jaden. Eventually, her persistence paid off. New evidence was heard. A friend of Greg's gave evidence that he had planned to pick Greg up on that fateful night, but after seeing that Greg's car wasn't in the driveway and he wasn't picking up his phone, he left. This blew away Greg's claims that he was home at 7.30pm.
1: Now it was time for the prisoners that Greg had confessed to to come forward. One prisoner claimed that Greg had told him that when he was fixing his car, the car fell off the jack and came down on Jaden's arm. Following this, Jaden was screaming and was given medications by Greg to calm him down. This explained the drugs found in his body. It was also claimed that when Greg couldn't stop Jaden from crying, he placed a pillow over Jaden's head and hit it with
0: a crowbar. Oh, that's just brutal. That's so
1: horrible. Yeah, that's disgusting.
0: State Coroner Johnston made his conclusion... It was during Mr Savage's period of caring for Jaden that he died. The cause of death is most probably from head injuries. Precisely how he died remains a matter of contention and conjecture, whether circumstances leading to the death occurred by accident, by omission or otherwise. As a helpless 14-month-old infant requiring total care and protection by an adult, Ultimately, it was Mr Savage who failed to provide that adequate and very necessary level of care of protective supervision, care and support to look after the infant. Otherwise, he would not have received the injuries from which he did.
1: Belinda was relieved that Mr Johnston was able to conclude that Greg was indeed the person who disposed of Jaden's body. Although he can be charged again due to a change in double jeopardy laws in Australia, compelling new evidence would need to be found for this to happen. For
0: example, new DNA evidence or a confession by Greg. At the end of last month, the Herald Sun newspaper revealed that there might be some new evidence coming to light. After Greg's car was searched, Greg was allowed to take pieces of evidence away with him before the police knew that they were evidence. This included a roll of tape. When Jaden was found in the dam, his broken arm had been bandaged up with similar tape. Police are now wondering whether this evidence may have changed the jury's mind back in the 1998 trial of Domasavage. It is possible that current forensic analysis will be able to compare the tape found on Jaden to photos of the tape in Greg's car boot and find a match.
1: Domasavage continues to deny murdering little Jaden. However, he does admit that it was his stupidity that was to blame for the death. He maintains that he left the toddler asleep on the couch when he went to pick up Belinda that night. He states that the prisoners who dobbed him in for confessing were liars. So far, Greg Domasavich remains the only person who has not sat on the stand under oath and spoken out about the night Jaden was killed. So I just want to make it clear as well that Greg, well obviously it's clear because we just went through the entire series of events, Um, Greg obviously hasn't been found guilty. In fact he was actually found not guilty so we're not the jury on the case and we're not the judge but we obviously just bringing the facts that we've researched and there is obviously a potential for a retrial if there is new information but I just wanted to put, you may feel different to me, but I just wanted to put it forward from all my research, obviously, it definitely leans in that direction but
0: hasn't been found guilty, so... I understand what yeah. you're saying. I I have strong feelings about the case, but I don't feel like it's our job to condemn him. Yeah. I think that the evidence, for me personally, speaks pretty loudly and I, I really, really hope to see justice for Jaden. I do yeah. think someone should be in prison for what happened to Jaden. I think the evidence speaks pretty clearly... And I also think it's a shame that the pigs had happened on the
1: same night as well, because it sort of gave the defence that to fall back on. I just wonder, had that
0: not have happened on the same night, the jury may have heard a very different case the defence. Yeah, the defence may have had to use a very, very different strategy to get across their point, and... And who knows? Who so, knows what would have happened. And I can
1: totally see why the jury went the way they did as well, because that would have been a very... If the defence lawyer was good, which it seems like he was, he was, yeah, exactly, that would have been a very different story. Yeah. So.
0: Belinda has missed her beautiful boy every day since little Jaden was killed. In an open letter, she has begged Donna Savage to tell the truth about what happened to her son. She believes that he will be punished for what he did, whether it is now or many years away. She has the word karma tattooed on the back of her neck. Despite the tragedies in her life, some things have gone right for Belinda Murphy since the devastating death of her son. In 2001, she married her sheet metal worker partner, Ben, and became Belinda Williams. She has gone on to have more children, but there will, of course, always be something missing in her life. Thank you for listening to
1: Episode 4 of True Crime Sisters. We hope you learned something from today's episode and that you will join us for Episode 5 next week please feel free to follow us on social media. All links can be found in the description and be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, stay safe.